views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to be connecting with all of you. Thanks for uh, tuning in, turning us on. Uh, for those of you out there, if you want to find out more information about us, go ahead and go to the drpatshow.com or you can go to transformationtalkradio.com. And for those of you that have been sending us uh, these, these emails and information about the new network, uh, you're right. I did give out the wrong URL the other day. It is transformationradio.fm. That is correct. I did give out .com, but it's .fm. Uh, so take a peek at what's coming um, in a few months for all of you out there. It's so great to be able to share this. Um, first, let me say hi to Mr. B. Hello, B. How are you, B? Doing very, very well. Yeah. Life is good, eh? Always. I know. Getting ready to get into the December. Oh, yeah, I know. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump away. It's more just a hop. It just, it's just, it's just a hopping and a skipping and yeah, a jump yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we, we've got a free... Well, yeah. oh, Benny, was that you? That was not. I believe it's our, Benny, dude, uh, our guest. That... <laughs> He's got some stuff oh, going on in there. we got a few things going on That's with right. our guest. We're Dr. family. We're Michael family. Dr. Michael Sherman joining us here today. We're going to talk about arguing science, a dialogue on the future of science and spirit. Uh, now, this is really kind of cool for me because I have had the experience of uh, growing up in, uh, let's just call it a very science-based organization. I worked for uh, what was formerly known as Bell Labs. And as a matter of fact, it was my experience at Bell Labs as a, as a youngster. I worked there for 24 and a half years. My experience at Bell Labs that had me turn one day to my friend and say, you know what, I want to get a Ph.D., now, I got to tell you, 23 years old, turning to your friend, saying you want to get a Ph.D., barely with a high school education, you weren't sure exactly what that meant. But spirit operates in very interesting ways. And for somebody like me, uh, uh, Benny, is that you typing? That was Benny? me. Yeah, that's uh, our guest. I, I was, uh, uh, he's, he's really active. <laughs> we're we're going to have to put him on mute. No, here no, I'm, 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 I just posted on Twitter the link to the show. Oh, Perfect. So, yeah, so let, let's just get right to it. You know, we've got somebody joining us here today that is out in the world and we happen to be from the same school, which is kind of fun. But, you know, he is the founding publisher of Skeptic Magazine. Love that. A monthly co uh, columnist for Scientific America and, you know, contributes to magazines here, there and everywhere. 
And, you know, part of this, too, is understanding how each of us gets to show up in life and become who we want to become. I had no idea that I was going to become the person that I am today. Not a business plan on the planet that I've ever written, not a vision board that I've ever had that says this was on my plate. After eight school, eight years in a doctorate program, studying the consequences of broken promises, postdoctoral work, no, this is not something that was on my plate. But is it the idea of skepticism that allows us to be out in the world exploring possibilities? How was it for you? How was it for all of us? Uh, Dr. Shermer, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. So, you know, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I just I just shared for myself. I'm a girl from the Bronx. So, no, this was not on my radar. As a matter of fact, going to Claremont was not on my radar. That was kind of an interesting story. How would you de- how would you describe, you know, using this idea of science and skepticism? How would you describe the essence of your journey to bring you to this very moment? Um, well, I've always been interested in science and understanding the world and, and the way things really are. And, um, you know, since really the first class I had in college on astronomy, and mm. which was inspired by the fact I was a Star Trek fan and a science fiction reader. Um, uh, and, and that was in the early 70s when there were labs and scientists who were testing the paranormal and the supernatural. There was a lab at UCLA run by Thelma Moss, for example, that was testing Curlian photography and acupressure and acupuncture and psychic power and ESP, that kind of stuff. So I thought, well, you know, maybe there's more to the scientific world than meets the eye, you know, stuff we can't see, things like that. And so I always kept a fairly open mind, although the more training I got in science, the more skeptical I became of a lot of these claims, particularly when I could see that, um, you know, magicians could replicate a lot of the so-called psychic powers uh, through magic tricks. I thought, hmm, you know, maybe not all of this stuff is true. And and uh, so in, in my journey doing normal academic stuff, you know, taking classes and then becoming a professor and all that, uh, I always maintained a kind of a side interest in the paranormal, the supernatural. And uh, so in the early 90s, when we started Skeptic Magazine, then that became the focus. Like uh, I write a monthly column for Scientific American, but uh, in which I deal with those kinds of subjects, but they wouldn't cover the kinds of things we cover in Skeptic Magazine. So there was a kind of a niche market for people interested in the paranormal, the supernatural, and the other things we cover uh, from a scientific perspective that isn't covered in other magazines. And uh, that just became my thing. So now I'm, you know, Mr. Skeptic, and (laughs) this is what I do. I write books about uh, this sort of thing. I lecture about it and, of course, write my columns and whatnot. And that's how I got to today, November 30th, Mm -hmm. 2016. Yeah. 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 I mean, let's just talk a little bit about this because it's in the headlines. And what do I mean by the this that's in the headlines? I think right now what's in the headlines is the dialogue that's going on uh, about whether or not climate change is real. As one example, just one example, Um, there, there are some people that are skeptics about it. There are some people that believe that they've demonstrated through science about it. And then there are degrees of each. I would love for you to talk about this idea of degrees of skepticism, because it's actually when I underlined it in the book, 
you know, we differ in the degree of skepticism. And I think that's fascinating. I'd love for you to talk about that. Some people think that it's black and white. Yep, it's definitely not black and white. And, uh, you know, one of the major tenets of science is that there are shades of confidence or lack thereof in, in different ideas. And so instead of saying it's right or it's wrong, usually what we end up saying is, you know, it has a 90% probability of being true or a 5% probability of being false or whatever. We put probability uh, markers on it. Now, in the case of global warming, I think um, we could break that down into to five questions. Is, is, it, is the earth getting warmer? The, the evidence is pretty overwhelming. Yes, it is. And it, pretty much everybody agrees to that. Is it primarily human cause? Our second question. Most likely, yes. Most of it probably is. Third, how, how much warmer will it get? Well, now here you can be a little more skeptical because it depends on uh, the projections made, which models are used. But even if you use the, the UN IPCC's um, uh, projections, you know, maybe four to seven degrees centigrade by the end of the century, by the, you know, 2100. Okay, that's a long way out. I mean, a lot can happen between now and then. So we should you know, keep a little more skepticism there. And then the fourth question, you know, what, what will the consequences be of it getting warmer in the next century? And here it, it, it becomes much more uncertain. Well, it depends on how much warmer it gets, depends on what the greenhouse, uh, what, what the Greenland ice cap does, what, you know, what, it, what happens with Antarctica. And, and, th and that will determine sea level rises. And you know, the, the further out you project, the wider the error uh, margins are, the error bars, so to speak, of your prediction. So there, there's plenty of room for skepticism. And then question five, what should we do about it? Well, that's pretty much a political question, economic question, not, not mm -hmm. le less a scientific question. And there, we just have to do a triage. Well, what is it we want to do in the next century? I mean, how, if your goal is to just save lives, you know, you're probably better off spending money on mosquito nets and potable water and toilets and and, and vitamins and food for poor people in Africa. Uh, you know, don't worry about climate change. They don't. They're not worried about it because they they don't even know if they're going to eat tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, but but if you it, but if that's not your perspective, then you know, there's a lot of people are you know, almost apocalyptic about climate change. And, and I'm skeptical of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I want to ask you this question. Uh, and maybe we should do this when we come back from break. Uh, when we think about this dialogue on the future of science and spirit, the question that I, I want, I, I, I've often asked myself, given the way that I've lived my life is, um, where does intuition fit in? You know, and the reason I'm asking this question is, you know, earlier in the show, I was talking about the fact I worked at Bell Labs. But what I didn't say is I worked with a gentleman called Arnie Openzius, uh, right. uh, Penzius and Lewis, those dudes. Right. Uh, right. Every Friday I got to have bagels oh, wow. with Mr. Big Bang. Got to yeah. have the bagels with the Mr. Big Bang. And I, <laughs> and, I, and, and I want to ask you this question because I will tell you that 90% of the dialogue that we had, the conversations we had, probably fit more on the spirit side and less on the science side. But what's interesting to me is how they talked about what they discovered. Let's take a short break, everyone. When we come back, more with Dr. Shermer. When we come back, the book is Arguing Science, a dialogue on the future of science and spirit. And have you ever asked yourself this question, am I a skeptic? Stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a short one. We'll be right back.
Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat, joined here by Dr. Nusheen Darvish. Dr. Pat Basili and Dr. Nusheen Darvish will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. I'm so excited to be talking about this. We have so much to share. Dr. Darvish and I are planning to do is connect the dots. People suffering with all sorts of chronic diseases, it's time. It is time for them to transform. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio and help keep our mission strong. For the loyal listeners out there that have been listening to this incredible show on Lyme disease, we are not going to let you down. We're going to come through stronger and enrich the platform for Lyme disease awareness through Lyme Talk Radio. The message will continue. The conversations will become stronger and the healing epic. There are so many resources out there for meditation. But did you know that Atana's Heart Earth Healing Meditation is available for you for free? Yes, that's right. You can receive this free healing meditation today from Atana Badili. All you need to do is visit his website, atanamethod.com. That's A-T-A-A-N-A method.com and sign up. You will receive your free meditation instantly. That's atanamethod.com. Hi, this is Leslie Fontaine, and my show is Sheer Alchemy on TransformationTalkRadio.com. When we're bogged down with our emotions, the hardships that plague us in our relationships, at work, our finances, we literally can't see the higher plane where we could be operating from. Tune in to Leslie Fontaine, Sheer Alchemy on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Beyond being this amazing neurologist, inventor, author, Dr. Dan Cohen has been called to look at technology and look at personal and spiritual development and merge these together. This technology uses the healing and psycho-spiritual effects of synchronized sounds, vibrations, electromagnetic fields, and how that interacts with us in our nervous system in what we're calling the Soltech Chair. The Soltech Lounge induces profound levels of relaxation that transition over time into deep meditative states. The synchronized sound vibration and magnetic field induce these states. The subject doesn't have to work at it. To learn more, go to soltechwellbeing.com. That's S-O-L-T-E-C, well-being. Wow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So great to have all of you tune us in, turn us on. Hey, do you have any questions for the show today? Arguing Science, a dialogue on the future of science and spirit. I would just love to hear what you all have to say. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. It would be really great to hear if you got questions for Dr. Shermer. Dr. Michael Shermer joining me here today, co-author of the book, Arguing Science. And, you know, the dialogue in the book, it, it, it's really fascinating. You know, there are many things that I have gone through this book and kind of highlighted. But this question about intuition 
And I alluded to the fact that I had these conversations with these really brilliant scientists, folks. And I wish that I could share with you that what they said was, yes, we sat down and we banged it out and we put it on the boards and that's how we discovered things. But a lot of the conversation had to do with this idea that they had a hunch. Where does that fit in to science and spirit? Uh, well, it's it's pretty much the driving force behind creativity of all kinds, including scientific. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the model we have that, you know, science operates by this scientific method, in which you go step one, observation, step two, you know, predictions, step three, run the experiment, step four, collect the data and draw your conclusions. It, it really doesn't work like that in labs. Uh, there's, the, there's a lot of trial and error and guessing and and having hunches or feelings about things, not in some airy-fairy way, just, you know, once you're trained in the area and you know a lot, then you, you really need to let go of the borders or the boundaries or the box you're in to try to figure out some new way to come at it. And there's a balance there because if you know too much, if you're too embedded and, and deeply committed to a particular paradigm, you're going to have a hard time seeing outside the box. But on the other hand, you don't want to come at it too fresh where you know next to nothing and then you're reinventing the wheel and doing stuff people did a century ago in your field. So, there, you know, so the training really is good. Uh, you know, getting the Ph.D., as we were saying, is, is yeah. the union card is there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, but but you, you have to you have to kind of let your intuitive sense come through once in a while when you're trying to think of just new ways to look at it. So this is why I'm open to talking to people and dialoguing with people like Rupert Sheldrake and and uh, as I mentioned uh, to you, you know uh, Deepak Chopra yesterday. I spent a couple hours with him, you know, taping conversations about the nature of reality. I mean, he has a completely different worldview than I do, and the only way to really understand each other is to sit and talk and say, well, what do you mean by consciousness? You know, what do you mean by observer? You know, when you pin pe people down on what they mean by their language, it helps clarify in your mind what's, you know, what may really be out there in the world, which is really hard to tell. So to that extent, um, the idea of you know, intuition, rapid cognition, or just thinking of things and you don't know where they come from. I mean, just some thought pops into your head from where, who knows. Um, and and that, that that is much of the driving force behind science. Yeah. Well, I have that question for you. What do you mean by spirit? Well, I'm not sure what I mean by it. <laughs> I mean, in general, when I talk about spirituality, uh, I think what, what most of us mean is, you know, having a sense of awe and wonder at the at the universe, at the world, at, at nature, at, you know, at life itself, or whatever does it for you, and and I think uh, you know we've long attributed that, uh, given that to religion, and 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 said well science has nothing to do with spirituality, but but you know that that may be true in the practice of science, you know people that are doing scientific experiments or collecting data in a lab, they're not thinking spiritually, but you know reflecting on what you're doing or going to say. One of my favorite things to do is to go to a, a mountaintop observatory and just stand there and look up to the sky or look through the giant telescopes to see what's out there. And and uh, that kind of gives me the same sense of, of, of spirituality I get when I'm in a cathedral. Um, like if, if, you know, if I go to the dome in Cologne where my wife is from, my wife is German. She was born and raised in Cologne, Germany, and they have a huge 12th century, well, it started 
in 12th century. It took them a couple centuries to build this thing. It's just magnificent. And it really gives you a sense of awe and wonder about things. And, and I get the same feeling in a, in a uh, astronomical observatory, like inside the Mount Wilson telescopes outside of L.A. or or the Lick Observatory in San Jose, or the observatories in Chile, and you know they all kind of give me that same sense of spirituality, and and I think it just means um, losing your sense of self to something larger, you know, not giving up anything, just kind of putting things into perspective, a little bit like contemplating deep time, mm. you know, when you look at when you look at say the Andromeda Galaxy through a small telescope. Um, you know, it's 2.5 million light years away. That means the photons of light landing on your retina left that galaxy two and a half million years ago when we were small brain hominids on the plains of Africa. I mean, it, it's it's a staggering thought uh, that when you, that, that's why astronomers call it look back time. And, and that gives you a sense of, of deep, I, to me, spirituality or just awe or just like, wow. <laughs> I am really, truly insignificant. My time and space, my little world, the things I'm worried about this morning, paying my bills or whatever, you know, they're, they're just trivial compared to the bigger picture. And I think it's okay and, and good to, to, to think about that once in a while. Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, um, and this is just, I'm, I'm just going to kind of go off the end on this a little bit. You know, when things work out really well, um, you know, we have a firm belief, and I say we, very generally speaking, but we tend to have a firm belief that that spirit operating, when things go really, really bad, you know, we have some other reason for it. And I wanted to ask you, is there a personal nature of the conversation, you know, this idea of science and spirit, you know, what is the personal nature of that dialogue? Uh, well, it's human. It's just it's mm -hmm. just talking to people, like talking to Rupert or talking to Deepak. Uh, from, from my perspective, it's just connecting with another human being who happens to disagree with me on certain things, but not everything. And uh, you know, we're so tribal. Things are so bad these days politically. You know, it's just you know, just who you who you happen to vote for. You know, sends you tumbling off the social media platform, and you know, you're disinvited and you're and you're blocked and you know, and so on. I mean, it's like, come on. And, you know, yesterday I tweeted, uh, the, you know, the live video feed on Facebook that Deepak and I had, and you should see the, you know, the shitstorm uh, of hate heaped upon me by my own people. Like, how can you talk to that guy? You know, it's like, well, what's wrong with talking to somebody? Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's how you connect with other people. And, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it's not like it's going to hurt anything, you know, just mm -hmm. he has a perspective. I have a perspective. So when you sit down and just talk to somebody like we're doing right now, I mean, that's yeah, how, yeah. You, how you, how we better understand the world and ourselves. And, uh, you know, I think we need more of that. Yeah. I mean, uh, if we're not talking about it, then tell me what we're doing with the stuff that's going on in our minds and our hearts. I mean, that's right. an interesting question. If you and I are not talking about this or you are not talking to Deepak or not talking to other people and I'm not talking to other people, then where am I going with that stuff that is calling me to have an opinion about something, have an intuition, a gut feeling about something or even having a life purpose? Where am I going with that? Right, because we are a social primate species. We we mm -hmm. don't live in isolation. We can't, uh, you know. In fact, living in isolation is a form of torture. You know, so, so I mean, we need other people, and um, and and you're never going to find anybody that agrees completely with you on everything. 
You know, mm-hmm. the de- Democrats disagree with each other in their own party. Republicans do. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's true for religion, for science. You know, it's disagreement is the heart of the human condition. And you, and mm-hmm. you better get used to it if you want to, you know, engage with other people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you got to be able to say, you know what, it's okay to disagree with, with, with other people. And, you know, we don't have to circle the wagon and pretend we're a tribe that agrees on absolutely everything because that's not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you about extremes for a minute, and I, I don't know where I remember reading in the book, but I think that uh, uh, Rupert was kind of saying something like, you know, uh, Michael, when it comes to science, you're not just conservative, but you're also kind of uh, an authoritarian on this. And, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I was reading that and I was like, oh, but when it comes to politics, uh oh, not so much. And so I wanted to ask you about the paradoxes that go on, not just in our minds, but I think the way we live our lives. You know, there are these paradoxes when we talk about science and when we talk about spirit. And, you know, I think that for a lot of people, they spend a lifetime trying to resolve them. How do you resolve that within yourself? Or is there no resolution to to be had? Um, Well, I I guess it would depend on Mm -hmm. an example of a paradox. I'm not sure I know what you mean, but if you mean contradictions in our own lives. um, Yeah, I I think the word could be contradictions. I'm not, you know, I I actually don't know if that is a contradiction. to. Well, I'll just give you an example. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, you know, politically, you mentioned politics. I tend yeah. to lean toward being libertarian, you know, fiscally mm-hmm. conservative, socially liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't quite fit either the left or the right on that uh, linear spectrum, uh, which is why I think we need more categories. Um, but the moment someone thinks that, oh, he's a libertarian, I know what he thinks. He thinks like Ron Paul or Rand Paul or, or <laughs> Gary Johnson or, you know, he no, stop, stop putting me in the box. <laughs> Just listen to what I'm saying. This is what I believe here. This is what I believe there. Um, and you know, but but, and I'd rather not call myself anything uh, because mm-hmm. the moment you put a label on it, then people have in their mind a set of characteristics that belong in that box with that label on it. And I may not uh, agree on all those points. Uh, you know, I, so just you know, just what, what's your position on gun control, abortion, women's rights, whatever? You know, just ask me, and I'll tell you. Uh, but, but, and I'm not sure what box that goes in, but that's the problem we have with boxes. And that's probably the way I, I think what Rupert meant in, in science, we tend to kind of be tribal when we encounter people like him that are pretty much on the margins of science, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pushing the envelope, uh, pretty much everything he does pushes somebody's envelope. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the, the tendency is to say, okay, he's an outsider and we got to circle the wagons, you know, to protect the, the nature of science. And there's a there's a good reason for that because you know Rupert's not the only one. There's there's hundreds of thousands of outsiders who want to challenge the status quo, which is fine. In a free society, they can do that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we have to listen to every single one of them. There's just not time to do it. Uh, which is in a way back to where we started, which is what Skeptic Magazine is for. Is you know okay, you guys are too busy at the journal Science or Nature or Scientific American to to deal with all these fringe claims. That's what we'll do one by one. We'll, we'll look at them and examine them and see if they have any merit or not. And uh, and and really, we're trying you know trying to give a fair hearing to people like Rupert or or uh, Deepak. Uh, just to say, okay, may- maybe they're right. I mean, it's, it, occasionally outsiders do make contributions to science, not that often, but occasionally they do. So it would behoove us to listen. You know, at least somebody should be listening and paying attention. And, and of course, as like I said, in a free society, they're, they're free to publish whatever they want. 
you know, the, 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 the peer-reviewed scientific journals are not the only way to, mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, circulate your ideas. Now there's, you know, thousands of platforms online that mm-hmm. you could do so. And, you know, maybe your, your idea gets a hearing. Maybe it doesn't, but, you know, that's, that's just the way it goes. And uh, outsiders often feel like they're being shunned. But I, I try to remind them that actually e- even in the, in the box, in the mainstream, in the authoritative science box, you know, lots and lots of scientists have ideas that they they are challenging their mentors mm-hmm. or professors or whatever, and trying to come up with something new. And they usually also feel shunned because they're not getting the attention they think they deserve. And that's just the way it goes. Um, I mean, there's a movement afoot now to challenge once again uh, Darwin's ideas, not from a creationist perspective at all, just you know, in the within the box. But you know, maybe we'll tweak it here or there. And the, and these people are getting a lot of pushback from more conservative evolutionary theorists. That, that don't think it needs to be tweaked at all. And, you know, that's kind of how it normally goes, back and forth, back and forth, debate and disputation. And, and hopefully out of that, we get a little closer understanding of nature. Well, I, th- this is really kind of cool because when we come back, we're going to take a look at, you know, this ongoing dialogue, ongoing dialogue of science and religion. In some cases, if you're living in the Pacific Northwest, you know, study has demonstrated that the Pacific Northwest, I think Seattle in particular, but I think it spreads, is one of the least religious places to live. However, it is the most spiritual. What the heck does that even mean? Let's take a short break, everyone. When we come back, what if the null hypothesis was, does God exist? What if you had to prove or disprove that? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. The earth is an ever-changing being. Goddess Light, shamanic healer, Bree Gibbs, guides us through the ascending worlds and brings forth knowledge and truth. As a light creator, she is here to provide new information needed at this time in our evolution. Join Bree as she shares messages from guides, spirits, ascended masters, goddesses, and others. Tune in Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific for The Silver Gaia Show and live the authentic life. On the cutting edge of the new mainstream, Christine Upchurch is passionate about bringing together science, psychology, and spirituality in a way that can be applied to our everyday lives for true transformation. The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey, engages some of the most outstanding visionaries on the planet in lively dialogue to inspire you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Join Christine every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW, AM 1150, and Transformation Time. What if your body and mind were the compasses to the secrets, mysteries, and magic of life? Glenna Rice, co-host of The Questionable Parent, is inviting you to access all that is possible. Glenna is a 10-year certified veteran access consciousness facilitator who offers an amazing variety of life-changing classes and workshops. Work with Glenna from anywhere with teleclasses and workshops all over the globe. To learn more and see Glenna's current schedule of events, classes, and workshops, visit glennarice.com. Would you like to experience life-transforming adventures in personal expansion and world service? If you do... 
Tune in to learn about magical innate abilities that you can develop and use to make your dreams come true. Joy Elaine is author of The Joy Chronicles, and she's inviting you and millions of others to join her in working with galactic masters, angels, and the Ashtar Command as they assist humanity and planet Earth to achieve their ultimate destination of ascension. For more information about this upcoming event and broadcast, visit joyelaine.com. That's joy, E-L-A-I-N-E, dot com. Brand consultant Jen Morgan is here with Radically Distinct Radio to help you take control of your future and maximize your brand's power to produce results. Whether you're an individual trying to reinvent yourself and launch a new venture, or you're an executive trying to reposition your company to modernize your sales and marketing programs, Jen Morgan and the RAD Method empower you to play to your strengths and show up in the world as your most powerful brand. To learn more, go to jenmorgan.com, that's Jen with two N's, morgan.com, or call 206 9 Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, for more information about us, as I said before, go to transformationtalkradio.com. Also, go to transformationradio.fm. And, uh, yep, you just sent me a little text message. The channels I'm referring to at the top of a menu item, way, way top, if you hover over the channels, you're going to see them all. Uh, uh, for information about my very special guest today, Michael, what's the best place for people to find out more about you? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, well, skeptic.com is the webpage for uh, my magazine, Skeptic Magazine, skeptic.com, and then michaelshermer.com for, you know, all my personal stuff, and, um, you know, those are the two best channels, of course, um, you just Googling my name, you can find lots of, you know, videos and podcasts and, and whatnot uh, like this, um, so that's it, and my books are all available naturally through bookstores or Amazon and uh, the usual sources. Sweet. Um I want to ask you this question. I kind of mentioned it before the show about this idea of proving or disproving God. Um, And, you know, for for a long time, uh, I think that there were not as many conversations, I don't believe, as we're having now, or at least they weren't readily available. But now what we're finding is even in our Hollywood venue, movies about God being real, and yet at the same time, um, there are question marks around everything from the God particle to whether or not the universe was created by aliens. And it just seems that this is more of a dialogue than it ever has been. I wanted to ask you, you know, what is it in us uh, that causes this to be a conflict instead of a collaboration? Uh, well, the conflict part comes about from actual empirical claims that are made. For example, if a young earth creationist says they believe the earth was created 10,000 years ago in six days, because that's what it says in Genesis, 
then there is going to be a conflict with the geological science showing that the Earth is four and a half billion years old. It evolved over many billions of years, not six days. So there, one side is simply wrong, and and the other one is you know much closer to being right. Um, and, and but from there, you kind of scale back from you know making less empirical claims, in which case scientists are less threatened by religion. So it just depends on the particular thing that's that's said that way. I think the conversation's been around for a long time, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're more aware of it because it's online, but of course it goes back to Galileo, you know, being uh, put on trial for uh, supporting the Copernican system that the Earth goes around the sun and not vice versa. Uh, that's a slightly more complicated story. It's not black and white, good and evil with religion and science. But, but still, it kind of goes back that far for, 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 for in terms of modern science and all the creationist battles that end up in courtrooms uh, over what's actually taught to high school science uh, students, for example. There it does become conflicting because somebody's got to make a decision on what gets taught and what doesn't get taught. And therefore, you know, somebody's going to get their feelings hurt or whatever. So, uh, but, but if you're just talking about like, um, you know, non-empirical questions, you know, where, where did the universe come from or whatever, um, you know, that, that we don't have answers to anyway, then then the conflict is less apparent. And uh, and really, we're all just trying to get answers to the questions, like those kinds of questions, and, you know, whatever it takes to get there. But so far, science has proved to be our best tool of understanding uh, nature, so we should, you know, keep pursuing that. Um, you know, in, in the... <laughs> In the book, there's a really interesting dialogue that uh, you all are having, and and, and you're referring to a a Richard Gere film, and I don't remember the exact page of this, but you're talking about this film, and you're talking about, you know, a dog's tale, right? A true story of a, like a faithful Japanese dog, right? And it's a, it is a tearjerker. There's no question about that. It is. Um, But the question, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, But the question really is, you know, the, a bigger question about the afterlife. And uh, some people don't believe there is an afterlife. Some people believe that we come back. Uh, some people believe there's an innate sense that we can literally manage our mindset in order to come back uh, as that which we want to come back at. And I wanted, to, I wanted you to talk a little bit about this in the dialogue that you and Rupert had about this uh, yes, so and the influence of society around it. Right. That, that's one of the big questions. In fact, that's the subject of my next book uh, mm-hmm. called Heavens on Earth, The Quest for mm-hmm. Immortality and Perfectibility. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea of the afterlife, of course, is, is pretty common and deeply meaningful to people. Um, but but there's, not, there's not one version of it. So, I mean, are, are you resurrected um, in heaven as your physical body? Is there an actual duplicate of your body made or is it just your soul? And if it's just the soul, then then at what age or what, you know, the pattern of information that represents your thoughts and memories, who you are, at what age are you resurrected in heaven? You know, and, you know, these kinds of questions uh, have different answers depending on who you talk to, which religion. And, you know, of course, that's just the Western versions and the Eastern wisdom traditions, Buddhism, Hinduism, and so on. They, they lean more on reincarnation where you're not going to heaven. You're just coming back here in a different state. And so their heaven is really here on earth, but in different you know, in different states of consciousness, whether you're, you know, higher or lower, depending on karma and the life you led. And, and so from a scientist's perspective, you know, if you were an anthropologist from Mars coming down to study humans, uh, it would be pretty obvious that where, what you believe about the afterlife or God pretty much depends on where you happen to have been born. 
you're born in India, you're likely to be a Hindu. You're born in America, you're likely yeah. to be a Christian. So that alone tells us that that religion is different than science. There's no Indian physics, Hindu physics, and Christian physics. There's just physics, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And so that that tells us that science and religion are really two rather different ways of knowing things, I guess. Um, you know, what do you think the greatest challenge is right now uh, that you're hearing people talk about or that you both shared with us on the dialogue of the future of science and spirit? You know, what are the, what are some of the challenges you see, but also what are some of the opportunities here? Um, well, I, first, I think that um, we should think of science as applying to everything, not just labs, not just laboratories and physics and biology, but but the social sciences, you know, and, and politics and, and the moral sciences, morality. I mean, we should we should expand the idea of testing our hypotheses. Uh, we already are doing this, but people have this. Even scientists don't think science has anything to say about morals, for example. But in fact, since the Enlightenment, we have been doing this. We've been running experiments. They're called democracies. They're called elections. And you know, you you, you run the experiment for four years, and then you tweak the variables, and you run it again. It's called an election. And those. That's why Thomas Jefferson called called these the experiment in democracy. He was a scientist. It is an experiment, and I think. You know, you can look at North and South Korea and, and you can see the difference from space. You know, that's a form of data, uh, you know, that, that you can see the difference in their heights. South Koreans are about four inches taller than North Koreans. Well, why is that? I mean, what variables are at work to see these huge differences in the outcome? And it's democracy. It's 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 economics. It's to, to what extent you have trade in your country or not. You know, and North Korea doesn't. So they, they have, they're poor and they're, they're starving and they're short and they have no electricity. So the country is dark at night from space. And anyway, these are examples of, you know, kind of easy, simple examples. But the way that um, I think science can be applied to anything, and, and we shouldn't think of it as this this um, uh, I don't know, elite club that that only professionals get to play. All of us can think rationally, logically, scientifically, testing hypotheses and and being open to new ideas. And 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 so that that the rub is to, to what extent are you open minded um, that you you know enough that you accept new ideas, but you're not so minded that you believe everything anyone ever tells you, which is also not good. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, I want to ask you this question when we come back. Um, what influence does the world of, I don't even want to call it media, what influence does the world of connectivity outside, whether it's media, whether it's social media, whether it's movies, blockbuster movies, how is this influencing um, the future of science and spirit? Let's take a short break, everyone. I'm Dr. Pat. We'll be right back with a very special guest, Dr. Michael Shermer. We'll be right back. Siegel co-hosts one of today's most popular psychic shows, Angels and Answers, with Artie Hoffman as she communicates healing messages from the spirit world. These messages can be astounding, enlightening, and life-changing. Born with the God-given talent of inner guidance and the amazing ability to heal, Sky has healed thousands of people. Schedule a reading with Sky now. Call 908-500-1474 and visit skyofangels.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? 
How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. What is a brilliant culture? And how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you design a culture that is authentic, innovative, and successful. Learn how to create change with Cultural Brilliance Radio, the DNA of organizational excellence and Claudette Rowley. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit ClaudetteRowley.com. TheAngelLady.net 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 1-800-323-1790 Sue Storm TheAngelLady.net Tune in to Mainstream Metaphysics Radio to harness your connection with the universe to effect change for optimal success and happiness. Name one of the country's top psychics. Eve now brings her insights and gifts to this weekly hit call-in show. Joined by visionaries, leaders, and gifted others, but mostly you. Jot it down. Thursdays, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Do you want to achieve your goals? Do you want to strengthen relationships with others? Do you want to improve your financial status? Colette Marie Steffen is partnering with Mark Kettenbach to bring you an energetic upgrade online experience. Unfold and develop your full potential. Visit energeticupgrade.com today for more information. That's energeticupgrade.com. everybody welcome back uh you, you know this is great uh the book is arguing science a dialogue on the future of science and spirit with dr michael Sharma joining me here today michael before we kind of jump ahead and we talk about you know influences that influence the the future of science and spirit please again one more time tell folks how they can find out more about you oh yeah sure it's uh, skeptic.com s-k-e-p-t-i-c.com for my magazine and then michaelshermer.com m-i-c-h-a-e-l-s-h-e-r-m-e-r.com and then you know you can just type my name into google to find all kinds of other stuff so that's it awesome okay you know if we're going to talk about a dialogue in the future of science and spirit uh, I'm wondering uh, how how much uh, what we've done in technology, where we're going with media, how much of an influence that has on people's perspective on science and spirit. Oh, it's huge. Uh, I mean, it, in terms of what gets reported, mm-hmm. and often gets what gets reported in the news is is really quite watered down. 
Uh, I mean, a scientist will, will publish a, you know, a peer-reviewed scientific technical article in some journal, and then the journal will have someone write a press release about the results. So already there's some editing going on there that, that uh, usually the authors don't even see. And, and so they'll draw some big grand conclusions because they want the media to pick up and cover the story of the, about the article and mention the journal. You know, it's kind of their way of marketing themselves. And, and then it gets, you know, sort of repeated in the newspaper, say, or, or magazine. And then it gets watered down and edited even more. And then the propensity on, of the writer is to make the conclusions even more grand or spectacular or important. And then so sometimes you'll see the scientists reading about it, in the New York Times or something going, wow, that, that isn't at all what we were conclusion we were drawing. And, uh, you know, so we have to be careful about that when you read these things like, you know, chocolate is just as good as an hour a day in the gym. No, it's not. How did they come to that conclusion? Well, you know, these are these are these sort of typical studies that get watered down and and filtered and come to us and and if you when you actually go and read the original you, you realize oh you know that that isn't really what they were saying uh so you could you should still keep going to the gym <laughs> if i may uh yeah. but 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 the other thing that's been interesting over the last say 25 years or so is the a growth of the uh, publishing business of books, science books. Mm -hmm. That is, science books have become the thing to read now. You know, books by Stephen Hawking and Richard Dawkins and um, Stephen Pinker and, and Stephen Jay Gould and Jared Diamond. I mean, these are blockbuster, big uh, bestsellers, and and uh, they get big advances. And you know, it's like it used to be for you know books on you know Shakespeare or art or or literature. Um, you know, now science books have become their own thing as a category, and you know that's good. Um, you know, there's more of those shows on PBS and History Channel, the Science Channel, and all these. You know, every everybody knows about the Big Bang and 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 black holes and this mm -hmm. kind of thing because it's all over the place. You don't have to be technically informed or trained in science to understand, you know, these fantastic ideas that are all over the place. And, um, you know, the fact that the cosmos, Carl Sagan's cosmos reboot, uh, with, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson as the host, you know, that was on Fox, you know, not PBS, but Fox. And it's amazing. That's, that's really good, uh, in terms of just getting these ideas out there to a wider audience. And so everybody's becoming more scientifically literate, um, e even while it seems like, you know, we're dumber than ever, uh, but that's <laughs> really, 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 that's really not the case. We're really smarter than, than we've ever been. Well, I mean, I, the, one of the things I'm really fascinated by is, and I'm not saying that we haven't always been fascinated by it, but, you know, right now, if you look at what's going on in Hollywood, they're really scratching their heads. They're saying, my gosh, you know, we're spending millions on writing, you know, uh, the born identity, the born this. And people really don't want that. They can't wait fast enough for the next Marvel comic book series, Wonder Woman doing her own movie, you know, the Justice League versus the Avengers. Right. I, I mean, it almost to the point of I read a, um, what, a social media post the other day where a fan was so upset about what's going to happen to the Avengers and that. Iron Man is going to go away that <laughs> oh she posted she had to go into therapy. And I'm just thinking, okay, are we trying to escape here? It, 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 are we in a place where the reality of quote life here at least is, is so overwhelming for folks that that's, that's our new drug. 
Um, I, th I think in part, yes, that, that, that is the case. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, there's, the, the world is so rich and, and loaded with information. Um, mm -hmm. the problem we have now is filtering, not finding. Mm -hmm. we, we, you can find yeah. information and, and theories and knowledge everywhere. The, the problem is what, you know, the filtering, which is the good stuff I should be reading. You know, you mm -hmm. can sit, you can sit online all day, you know, watching videos and, and reading articles and I, you know, I can't keep, can't keep up. You know, so now the problem is, is is turning it off or filtering it, um, and you know, so I, I I think instead of a lack of, we don't we don't have a problem of lack of scientific knowledge. We have just too much and, and no filter mm -hmm. between what's the good science, what should I trust, what should I not trust, and you know, people should remember there's no fact checkers on these uh, most web pages. You know, New York Times does, but you know, Wall Street Journal does, but very few others do. So the stuff you read online may or may not have been fact checked. Probably not. Therefore, you should be slightly skeptical. Yeah, uh, and I like the idea of slightly skeptical because, uh, and of course, this is not a conversation we'll have time to have now. Um, uh, but I I got scolded on social media because I put something up and I said and I asked is, is this is this post really true. And, right. you know, there's a part of me that's really quite naive about things, really is. And the feedback I got was, come on, you got to be kidding. Did you actually believe <laughs> that this is true, Pat? And, <laughs> right. and I thought, well, wait a minute. Why is it okay? Why was it okay for like millions of people over these past six months to believe things that weren't true? And I'm thinking of this one post that I thought was true. Is it easier for us to believe in an untruth if it fits what we desire in life than, than to, for us to believe in the truth? Well, that's right. It's called motivated reasoning. We're motivated <laughs> to, to reason our way toward uh, finding what we want to be true to be true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a big problem. It's it's a problem in science also. I mean, mm -hmm. scientists yeah. are people. They, you know, they want their theories to be true. This is how you make your living, get your status, you know, and recognition among your peers and so on. It's it's important to everybody. And that's why you need the checks and balances in science to somebody to try to replicate your experiment in case you were biased, in case you were motivated to reason your way to find your theory to be true, even if it's not. And that's a that, that, that we have to be really careful about in all areas of life, especially science. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for the conversation today. And again, um, tell folks how they can find out more about you. And I have one last question. I'd love to know your personal message for us today. My personal message, uh, be skeptical, but not so skeptical that you're not willing to entertain new ideas and mm. be willing to communicate and connect with others, especially people who disagree with you. It's one of the best things you can do. I love it. <laughs> and you can reach me at, uh, at skeptic.com or at uh, michaelshermer.com. Thank you so much for today, and thank you for all that you do. Oh, you're welcome, and thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. And please, if you've missed any part of this, this will replay tonight on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Certainly, you can find out more about me uh, on the DrPatShow.com. And for those of you out there, you can also take a peek at TransformationRadio.fm. And don't forget, we've got another hour coming up on Transformation Talk Radio for those of you out there. Remember to be well, and as Michael said, you know, it's okay to question stuff. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, we'll see you next time.
preceding audio was via a Skype call.